And we are live. This is Failed State Update, and I am Joseph L. Flatley. Uh, kind of a, in a, a series of unfortunate events this morning. Due to technical difficulties, we are not don't have any cameras. J.G. Michael is under the weather, so it's just me. But it doesn't matter. We have a fantastic episode for you. I am talking to Oki of the uh, a documentarian and YouTuber, if you want to use that as a verb. Uh, his stuff is available on YouTube if you look for Oki's Weird Stories. How you doing, Oki? I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, so I guess you're a friend of the show now because we did an interview with you about your secret space program conspiracy mm-hmm. video. So... The secret space program conspiracy theory or com- conspiracy community is essentially a bunch of people who believe that either the government's lying and that they have bases on the moon or that they're fighting, you know, f- f- you know, f- in fighting humans are fighting in far flung corners of the galaxy. It's just this whole crazy conspiracy myth mythology, but you actually like in, you went in, you, you, uh, you, you got deep, you infiltrated the group. So it's like your video kind of adds like this whole level of craziness to the story, which I really admire. Yeah. So like, uh, it's still pretty obscure, the conspiracy community uh, that are focused on the secret space program. Um, and I don't think that they've had like a, a video like mine that kind of sing, single signal boosted, uh, like their community and like actually like put it like, you know, this is the established name of the community. This is what they're up to and like talked about it in depth. And uh, yeah, I had some pretty high up people in the secret space program community kind of like um, um, post about me on their social media, like Corey good posted about me. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, here's, here's an example of these people. Uh, He's talking about like, the guy James Rank who uh, interviewed me um, in the video, and he's like, uh, "Oh, here's an example of the people who are fake, and I'm not fake, guys. Please believe me." <laughs> kind of thing. And then like uh, Michael Sala also pretty much said the same thing. So it was pretty funny. Um, even more so than. Uh, like, you know, the, the video doing well and people liking it and, uh, you know, it being well received. I, I was more so um, surprised and amused by, like, uh, the Secret Space Program uh, insiders, the whistleblowers, like Corey Good, actually, like, going out there and saying, you know, trying to, like, disavow James and, like, the people who were um, that I included in the video. That's, you know, it's, it's such a, like, I can't believe you found a conspiracy theory that hasn't been like done to death already. Like that just right there is like impressive. Um, actually like oh, going out there and saying, what the fuck? You know, trying to like, disavow. I think he got, uh, yeah. How did that happen? Who, oh, that's your... <laughs> he got, I think he got your stream on. Yeah, that uh, was that was your uh, your uh, Jack Idema doc. Somehow I hit play on that, so um, it was like double the Oki. Um, yeah, how did the 
how did the secret space program story? When did you wrap that up and how did it lead to this uh, Jack Idema doc that we're about to talk about? Um, well, uh, okay. So how did I wrap it up? Um, I had to wait. Oh, oh, okay. So that was like, God, I, I want to say, was it December? December of 2021? It might have been. I don't remember. It was uh, it was several months ago for sure, um, and I guess the way I wrapped it up is I had to wait for uh, James Rink to post the interview that we did to like add the um, the ending to the video because there was no real video unless he posted it onto his channel. So I had to wait. I, I waited I think a month for him to do that, and there was one point where I actually I offered him like sixty bucks to just like expedite the release of it and then he was like oh no I, I, I don't I don't need I don't need your money or whatever I'm just gonna post it I don't know I just like I was just itching for him to to release it and I mean this is a guy who like sells hypnosis <laughs> sessions and <laughs> I thought he might be uh, you know that might uh, interest him um, yeah so to, so to for anybody who hasn't watched the video, so you found this guy that claims to hypnotize people and take them back into like past lives where they were like space warriors essentially, and kind of like learn about their past lives and you so you like went so far as to like purchase a hypnosis session and then like over Skype or Zoom or whatever he like quote unquote hypnotized you and it's really funny because you're just like rolling your eyes or whatever, you know. And it's like and takes you through this bizarre scenario. And like the ending of your movie was gonna be, or you know, kind of the you know, going towards the ending was going to be your session with him and then you interviewing him. And then he just sat on the video. Like he did he just for like didn't upload it for a long yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it took like a month, and then yeah, I offered him sixty bucks, and then uh, I think it was within a week he finally posted it, and then he posted it, uh, and then I think within two or three days I posted my video, um, yeah, and then I like I, I sent him an email being like, "I'm sorry, I tricked you." <laughs> I love I love working with uh, people who don't have traditional journalism careers because they're just like offering people money left and right i'm i'm, I'm doing a producing a, a documentary with a guy and he's like it's the same he's like you know i'll just offer him 500 dollars for an interview and i'm like oh no know. so i've never done that i've never uh, uh -huh. but i've interviewed a lot of people on my channel i've never offered money for an interview mm -hmm. but uh and like i just wanted him to expedite the release of his uh of the interview Mm -hmm. that he did of me how um so jack idema i remember when this story happened it was really crazy he was like you know it was during the gold rush after the invasion of iraq and then afghanistan where like it seemed like every shady character out there was going to the middle east was going to wherever we were fighting wars and like throwing themselves into it like you know somewhere selling selling arms some were private military contractors some were kind of like just nebulous 
business people. Uh, some were opening pizza restaurants, apparently. But Jack Idema, he kind of, I guess he was pretty notorious in those circles, but we didn't hear about him back in the United States until he was arrested for like basically having a private prison and torturing Afghan citizens, including a Supreme Court judge. How did you first hear about this case? Actually, it was recommended to me by a oh, viewer wow. of mine. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as like uh, he, he gave like a really uh, quick rundown of what like the story is about. I'm like, OK, yeah, that sounds wild. Uh, kind of like the whole ethos of my channel has always been. Um, I talk about like over the top people uh, who are very, very manic very crazy they uh often are like liars cons cheats um like john mccaffey and, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah who are some of the other fo- folks you've uh, featured on your channel i've done uh i've done terry tilly with he's this um he he started a cult um he pretty much like he found this aristocratic can- family uh, aristocratic family and he um he convinced them that uh that Jews, uh, Rosicrucians, um, and ninja assassins, assassins were after them and they wanted to kill them, uh, because within their souls they held, um, this deep knowledge of, like, that would lead them to, um, the coffers of, like, kings and, uh, past generals and, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, he continued to keep them secluded for, like, 10 years. Actually, I went really deep on that one. I, um, I hired a translator. Uh, they translated um, the like books from French to English for me. <laughs> um, they translated documentaries, you know, clips online and stuff like that. Uh, uh, but otherwise, like, yeah, I've done Dan Ninen, who's this like, just really notorious comedian who is really just not funny at all. Uh, you know, he, he was like, um, he worked at Intel before he started doing comedian and that, that, that comedy, excuse me. And then he, uh, and then what he did is he, uh, he started marketing himself as like, uh, the only half Japanese, half Indian comedian who's also a millennial. Meanwhile, <laughs> he was like 50, wasn't a millennial. Um, yeah, John McAfee, uh, yeah. I mean, there's like, it's, I only have like something like 20, 20 or so videos. So. Oh, yeah. And you're never going to, if that's your, uh, your subject matter, you're never going to run out of it. I, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, unless people start getting really boring, but, but tell us about Jack Idema. Okay. So yeah, Jack Idema is this guy who, um, at the age of 45, he went to Afghanistan uh, he wanted to capture Osama bin Laden to collect the $25 million bounty on his head. Um, instead, after he uh, started his own private prison, he was arrested um, due to uh, the U.S. government's anxieties about um, basically the Abu Ghraib happened uh, a few months earlier. So there was a whole PR disaster in, in the United States government, um, even though they were um, possibly very permissive of his um, voting was how his operations. Um, they kind of they just kind of put the sword on his neck and uh, you know 
you know, gave it a, a slash. And yeah, he was arrested in Afghanistan. He was tried in Afghan courts. He spent three years in Afghan prisons. And then he um, bought a compound in Mexico where he started to use a lot of drugs. And uh, he started to um, have a, like orgies and uh, extreme amounts of casual sex and the sex. And eventually he died of AIDS. And um, let's begin with kind of his his uh, work, if you can call it that, in Afghanistan, because it's I was captivated by that part of the documentary. It was he, you know, like we said, he was one of these like American gold rush people that went to Afghanistan. But he was also very kind of like ideologically. I don't know. I don't even know if he was really ideologically motivated, but he was definitely, you know, he came from that whole weird American. Yeah, he was definitely jingoistic. Like, yeah, he was you know, so like self like he was motivated by it's just he just uh, nonstop nonstop self promoter, self mythologizer. Straight up con artist. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's this whole like culture of America in the 80s, which you're probably not old enough to remember, but that's what I grew up in. And it's like Soldier of Fortune magazine, Ronald Reagan talking about the evil empire all the time. Like you could not get away like Rambo movies. You couldn't get away from like this really right wing, like beyond conservative perspective in popular culture and the news and the government. And, you know, there was like actually a real problem with like people, you know, soldier of fortune magazine came out, I think in the end of the seventies and like people would put ads in the back, like, you know, mercenary for hire. And a -hmm. couple of times people like read those ads and then like hired the guy to like kill their wife. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, There's, you know, yeah. So it's like, so he was very much Jack Idema was very much taken with that. Did he did he have a military background? Yeah. So, yeah. So um, I mentioned in the video, actually, uh, where um, he he made it into the Green Berets. Uh, the thing that I didn't mention is that he he joined the Green Berets or he applied for it and he passed the test at a time that they were kind of desperate for new recruits mm-hmm. because it was at the tail end of uh, the Vietnam War. Interesting. So he just, he just, he just missed the war and he, and he, like I say in the, the thing as well, he desperately wanted to fight a war. Uh, and that's kind of like the whole soldier of soldier of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, soldier of fortune magazine thing as well. Is like a lot of the, what that uh, magazine did was like, it pushed like, Oh, come join this mercenary group in Rhodesia. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was kind of the whole Which thing. Is like, like the race, a racist government in, uh, like, one of the last colonial governments in Africa. Yeah, I think it was in Zimbabwe. Right. Zimbabwe is modern day Rhodesia, right? Yeah. Was, um, yeah. But yeah, that was like the whole thing, right? And this is a guy who was obsessed with the idea of counter counterterrorism way before like uh you know the war on terror so he had like um he had like a, a like a civilian counterterrorism training school that anybody can apply for uh it like back in the 80s right mm-hmm. so this guy was looking at like he was probably reading about israel you know 
um, back then in like Soldier of Fortune magazine and reading about like urban warfare and counterterrorism and stuff like that. Yeah. So he was it, kind of ahead of, ahead of the curb in some aspects, but. No, yeah. he's definitely a visionary of some sort. <laughs> uh, I guess I, you can call that. <laughs> I did notice that sometimes like on his uniforms and on the signs, it would be like counter terror, terror, counter terror group with two R's in counter. And sometimes there would only be one R. Do you know what that was all about? Um, probably just a fuck up. that's uh, fascinating and it's like i mean i mean if the guy didn't turn out to be such a horrible person he'd be hilarious like like so many of the details he he's he's an essence he could be an snl character if yeah if you erase all of the like the like really sordid shit that he's done mm -hmm. yeah so He's cartoonish, he, but evil. Right, right. It's like, I guess it's like Trump or, you know, it's like we find that a lot of these guys are. Oh, yeah. yeah they're cartoonish. <laughs> yeah, they're, I, I, I find myself shit posting about Trump and how much I miss him and how funny he is all the time. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, this guy uh, wasn't a very good guy. <laughs> it's a fucking awful person. But yeah. God damn, do I miss Donald Trump's tweets. Yeah, I'll I'll give him that. He is funny. I mean, and then then the, the whole thing about him like the the uh congressional hearing the other day where he was like fighting with the secret service and trying to get take the car to to the capitol for the riot and stuff and it's like yeah. It's like I have to believe that he was up to that shit all the time. And like the fact that this only I thought that was pretty yeah, it's pretty it was been pretty obvious this whole time, right? Like it's right. like everybody knew like that he you know, he he pretty much instigated that whole thing. Yeah, but it's like why are you know, he's got a I I guess I was just that behavior is so bad and it took so long and a congressional investigation for it to come out. It's like what else are they covering up? What else is the Trump White House covering up and like you know, how can they live with themselves? I mean, going to bat for a guy like that at this point, it's like, if you're not like, did he see, uh, did he see Sean Hannity, like text messaging one of his, uh, no, yeah. Sean Hannity was uh, text messaging one of his staffers. I forget which one, but it was high up staffer and being like, yeah, he's got to stop with the election talk. He, you know, <laughs> election fraud talk. He's got to stop with this and that it's, uh, it's getting bad. He's got to, you know, it's going to stomp on the brakes here. Wow. So back to our other narcissist, Jack Idema. He was, he's, he's in, he gets out of the military and he's got kind of an abysmal record. He was only in the military for like three years. Is that correct? Yeah. And yeah. Then he, then he went into the reserves and, um, but so he was kind of like this freelance, just entrepreneur chewing around the, fringes of sol the soldier of fortune scene how did he end up in afghanistan so he so it was through gary skirka who i mentioned earlier in the documentary um who was um a reporter who among many networks worked he did work for 60 minutes mm -hmm. um excuse me and he um yeah so he wanted to make something for 
National Geograph Geographic in this uh, uh, specific um, instance, and he said he was going to bring Jack along as like security, like private security, right? Um, and Jack contacted this humanitarian aid worker named Sir Ed Artis. Um, and Ed Artis, he already had like a documentary that was being made about him at the time, but he's like, oh yeah, come along. And immediately uh, Ed Artis started to realize that Jack was literally, he was trying to make a documentary about himself, right? Because <laughs> like this is this had been in the works for a long time where Gary Skirka had tried but failed to make a documentary about Jack uh, actually in the mid nineties. How did Skirka uh, meet Jack? Uh, through, he read a soldier of fortune magazine article and then he visited him in prison. Oh, so, um, um so Jack was covered, was co- covered in soldier of fortune, like his, one of his, his yeah. training school or something. Um, why was he in prison? Oh, cause wire fraud. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So it was like um, extended to his um, – it was attached to his um, paintball company where he uh, he bought a bunch of uh, supplies he didn't pay for. And he, he created like a shell company uh, and he cheated 60 companies out of um, – I think it was like six $600,000, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he went to prison for four years and he said that it was – the FBI was behind his imprisonment. Because he said that he like it was connected to the because um, he had information he said about like um, a KGB uh, nuke smuggling operation attached to the Ro- Russian mafia, mm-hmm. and he said that that he tried to tell the FBI, but you know that he start he caught wind that all of them are that the FBI is um, has been infiltrated by uh, by KGB agents or whatever. So he goes to jail for that. And then um, that's the, pretty much the story that was written in Soldier of Fortune magazine. And I guess Gary Skirka bought it. And he became very close to Jack. Uh, uh, so close to Jack that, in fact, he helped Jack. He was a co-complainant on uh, – a co-plaintiff, excuse me, on um, – on a legal suit that they that they all did against uh, Steven Spielberg and DreamWorks Studio, so basically, like Jack and Gary Skirka worked for years to make a documentary about Jack or a movie. So they were sending like treatments of Jack's life story to Steven Spielberg. They were uh, talking to um, every single news network and every single like television network that they could. Uh, and trying to really just get this story off the ground and get funding behind it. And uh, it never worked out. I actually show um, clips from uh, an unaired, uh, like kind of like teaser documentary about him mm-hmm. that uh, Gary's cook made. And if you like watch the thing, I think it's within like the first 12 minutes of the documentary. Um, you can like see that, the way that it presents presents Jack is like this hero who was thrown on, under the bus by uh, the U.S. intelligence agencies and um, uh, especially the FBI. Uh, and yeah, but he was he was yeah he was a hero, even though you know that happened. 
Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and it's like the um, the lawsuits against against uh, Steven Spielberg and you know his that that was over. I guess Jack was constantly like writing screenplays, trying to mythologize his life at a point where he was kind of like he had not even really done anything except for like get in the paintball business and run this kind of dubious counter-terror training facility. Mm-hmm. So it's and like, all of that, by the way, being paid by like paid for by his dad. Okay. I was wondering how he funds this whole, all this stuff. Yeah. I, I mentioned at the end, like uh, near the end when I'm talking about like how he's trying to get his inheritance. Um, yeah, his dad paid for like the building that he ran all this shit out of. His dad paid for a lot of the lawsuits, the appeals. The first time he went to prison, his dad paid for all the appeals for that and lawsuits and yeah. Yeah, like why? So so he hatches this scheme. He gets Gary Skidema, if that's his name. Uh, to, oh, no, no, Skurka. Skurka, that's right. Gary Skurka. Um, Oh, Idema Skirka. Okay. Yeah, Gary Skirka gets kind of sucked into his world and believes his claims. And they go to Afghanistan to ostensibly film a documentary about humanitarian aid workers. And next thing you know, he has a compound and like a his own little prison, private prison. Like, what is going on there? Oh, no. So, oh. No, so this is um, – here's the thing, right? So it started in 2001, right after 9-11, right? So Jack was in Afghanistan for about a year at that point. And then his, his mom died, so he went back to Poughkeepsie, New York for two years. And then he returned to Afghanistan in 2004. And then in 2004 is when he uh, – he working off what he said was intel from um, Al Qaeda assets that he uh, flipped, and you know he flipped them into intelligence assets. Um, working off intel from them, he 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 learned about like a a plot to uh, drive twelve taxi bombs into the U.S. embassy and the U.S. Um, air base in in Bagram, and. And he also said that he found intel about uh, the possible whereabouts of Osama bin Laden. So then he returns in two thousand uh, in two thousand four. Uh, he opens up um, 
his own, uh, like his HQ, the honeycomb hideout. He starts rounding up all these people, interrogating and torturing people, getting different names, rounding those people up. And then once he captures, um, it was an Afghan judge, a Supreme Court judge, then shit really got real because within weeks, um, the, his, his mugshot was all over Kabul. Mm-hmm. And that was on the, uh, at the behest of the U.S. Uh, government, um, who you know they they already I I think that they already knew about this guy, but by that point it's like, oh my god, this guy is just a bad look, uh, you know. Yeah. And yeah. So that's how he got. That's how he got uh, locked up. Do you, Do you have any more insight into his? how he funded his operation. I mean, you know, rich father, um, con artist. Uh, so he's making money, but like, how else is he making money at that time? Well, so he had the fake charities. He had the, um, he had the book, the hunt for bin Laden book mm. that he pretty much co-opted and he made all about himself like this, uh, like aged, uh, journalist slash author, Robin Moore. Uh, Jack already knew him for years and he just took over the book uh, and he inserted fake charities into its pages. Um, and then he also had royalties from that book. He had a lot of money from media appearances. Um, yeah. He uh, lawsuits. Yeah. There was one lawsuit he won against um, a person who uh, like a storage place that was, uh, holding all this shit while he was in prison mm-hmm. in the nineties. Um, he, he won um, like a million dollar lawsuit against them. So, um, that like, he was pretty flush with cash at that point. Um, and the next time he was, he also like made a lot of money was after his, his father died, which was when he was in Mexico in like 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, yeah, he he collected an inheritance of like um, millions of dollars. Wow. Well, we'll get to that because that's like the final nail in his coffin. Um, but so he's he's got this headquarters in Kabul, and do you know like like he totally he sounds like a totally con, a total con artist that you know, has gone rogue. But at the same time, he also sounds like someone who the CIA would work with. Have you gotten any indication or evidence of any kind of interaction or cooperation between Jack and CIA or anybody else in the United States government? No, not, nothing that I didn't add to the, to the documentary. So, um, so, so, yeah, it was just him literally. I think he was just calling up uh he was calling up like the Pentagon certain offices in the Pentagon. So he would and communicate but it wasn't like a CIA was t- asset or anything. I don't know. I don't right. know. I don't think that there's like I don't think if that's true I don't think it'll ever come out. Right. He said he was. I mean, he was like they knew what he was yeah. doing. He was very vocal about what he was doing. Right. Right. So I don't know. Could be. Yeah. 
And um, so he gets arrested after torturing a number of Afghan civilians. What, when was that? Like, what year was that? That was, that was about three months after the second time he arrived in Afghanistan, which is 2004. All right. So he's only in Afghanistan for three months before. No, no. So that's the second time he arrived. Right, right. right. So, he's yeah. only back in Afghanistan for three months before um, he. Yeah, he's arrested. He's arrested. And and then what was his prison? We think of Afghan prison. It sounds pretty rough. Um, what was his him and his people's experience in prison? Yeah, the most cushy environments possible, right? Like, yeah. So he probably just paid off um, Afghan officials, and he just got, uh, he, he, yeah, he just got a suite, pretty much. Yeah, it was him and his guys. Like, how how many people were involved in that case? You know, other like co defendants or whatever. There was eight members of Task Force Saber Seven, which was this paramilitary group. <laughs> Task so Force three, Saber Seven. I love it. So the, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's great, right? So there's three Americans and then five uh uh five Afghans. And um so he gets a 10-year sentence and then they let him out in 3 years, is that correct? Mm-hmm. And he and and tell me about meeting his uh future wife while this is going on. Oh yeah, so I Found her YouTube channel. She she posted stuff about like clips of him. Mm-hmm. I looked her name up. I found her on Twitter. I asked her, uh, "Would you be interested in participating in this?" And then uh, we talked on the phone uh, a few times. And then eventually we agreed. Um, I was gonna meet her in Connecticut. I'm in Toronto, Canada, so I I flew there. Okay. Uh, and how did uh, Jack meet her? Like what? How'd they meet? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so that was through um, letters. Uh, she sent him. No, okay. She first she found she was looking him up online a lot, and then she found a website that um, the the documentary film the a filmmaker that was with him, Ed Caraballo. Actually, this guy was uh, he used to be Anderson Cooper's like favorite cameraman. Um, he was. He was arrested along with uh, Jack Idema, and he was, yeah, he was sentenced to, um, I think it was like eight years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ran a website for Jack, and you know, Jack also, you know, he, you know, he made posts and stuff. But Ed Carballo, Ed Carballo was in charge of all of it. Uh, Penny was like part of like. She met a bunch of other Jack Idema fans online, and uh, they connected, and then eventually found they found that website, and then uh, they like applied to be like part of like a private group on that website, um, and then Penny started to communicate with Jack, um, you know, through emails and then phone calls, and then also through letters and stuff like that. So being in jail did not slow jack down at all he had a website he had like a fan club he was interacting oh yeah everything yeah yeah he had a a dog is that correct yeah he they found a dog somehow that he brought back with him from afghanistan to mexico i don't know how like well 
I have all the emails actually, so I know how he did it. But you know, it was um, the conditions that he got himself into, like where he's like pretty much living in like such a great, cozy place. Is uh, it still baffles me? <laughs> yeah, it looks like much bigger than my apartment, actually. <laughs> wow! I uh, so so he's in jail for all of three years and. In the meantime, he meets this woman and it becomes romantic. And then when he leaves, where does he go? Uh, so this first, 2007, he goes, 2008. He goes to Dubai first um, because he has this idea for like a military air cargo company mm-hmm. that he wanted to make. So he goes there to meet investors and then. Following that, he goes to England to collect uh, advance advance money for a book that he promises to write uh, from random from Random House. And actually, I didn't, I didn't mention this in the in the documentary. Uh, and then after that, then he lands in Mexico. And then, and his and his he meets his girlfriend there, and they get married. How's that? Uh, on so they that? get. I think they got married. They they get married like a year after that. Uh, yeah. So like basically, what happens is he uh, he goes to Mexico. He meets Penny there. She brings Nina the dog. Um, Jack gets a condo. He gets evicted from the condo after being arrested for selling uh, drugs. Uh, and then he finds a property in in the jungle in Bacalar and he um, he fixes up the place and um, that's where he lives um, for the rest of his life. Wow. And, and what, what was he doing in Mexico? Was he, um, was he doing, did he have any, like any other like mil- private military businesses or was he just, partying or what what's jack idema doing for the next several years um i think yeah so it was like kind of a mixture of a lot of those things right so um another thing that i didn't really mention that much in the documentary was that uh he uh yeah he was he was kind of he was from what penny tells me he was involved with the cartel there Mm. he was um uh you know selling drugs probably selling uh, guns as well and he was going back and forth between his property and like um and Belize. Mm. Um and yeah also yeah he was partying a lot, drinking, um you know, orgies and then eventually his lifestyle caught up with him. Yeah, and um so it gets it's like almost like fun in games ex- aside from the torture obviously until that point and then things got really dark for Jack like it seemed I guess it was the death of his father and his receiving an inheritance that led to yeah he's had... going off the rails he had so much money he can fund uh, the most debaucherous uh, lifestyle possible and he's an odd man you know he's like he's probably almost five foot tall he's like no no, no. he's uh, i think he's five five seven 
five seven. Okay, so like that's like Tom Cruise's official height. Um, yeah, not his actual height, but like what he tells people. So he's like five seven, but he's like built like a tank. He's a big guy, and like he has like there's the one shot you don't hear his voice very much in the movie, but there's this one point just about thirty three minutes in where he's like. I, I can't remember. They're like trying to detain somebody. They put a bag over his head, and then he's like, "Shit, I'm really mad." And it's yeah, like, he sounds like Billy Mays. <laughs> he does. It's like, it's like you know, like, Shit, too- I'm really mad. <laughs> You're just like, who is this guy? Yeah, and um, you know why he's mad? By the way, is because he what? hasn't broken a mirror in in nine years or something. Oh, <laughs> so he's, now he's unlucky. Yeah, he said. He said. He said something about uh, I haven't broken something, or you know. But it was like unclear. Oh, so bizarre. It's like, tell me about so. So when you met Jack's wife, she had a lot of uh, like photos and footage and stuff. Yeah, she gave me all of it. That's amazing. Like, it's so. It really is like an intimate look at Jack Idema. It's. You know, it's, I mean, what a, what a priceless bunch of footage and stuff you got, you know, really like, what was his wife like? Oh, she's, yeah, she's lovely. Uh, yeah. I love her to death. Uh, still talk to her. Um, I feel like we're, yeah, we're lifelong friends at this point. Um, uh, I'll tell you something I didn't mention in the documentary was mm-hmm. that uh, she arrived with Ron Barber, who was the guy who was in prison with Jack the first time, and he went to prison because he uh, made threats against Bill Clinton. Yeah. So, so Ron and her arrive, and they arrive tailed by the Secret Service. <laughs> uh, and the Secret Service stayed outside of our Airbnb the whole time they were there, the first day and the second day. Oh wow! Did you um? Did you talk to <laughs> say anything to them or? I said hello. They I don't think they heard me. Oh geez. Uh, my friend who was with me who helped me out. Uh, he said he talked to them a bit. Oh nice. What's um? I'm I'm forgetting her name. Is it Patty or Penny? What's her? Oh, it's Penny. Penny, yeah, Penny okay. Ide- Penny Alici or Penny Idema. Okay, and Penny. She really just stepped into a whole twilight zone, you know, like she seems like I don't know what she was like. Um, I, I don't know her, obviously, but it's like she doesn't seem like the kind of person that would purposefully cavort with mercenaries or. Well, I think she thought, uh, like she said, she thought he was this patriotic hero type guy. Mm hmm. And then she, you know, she was already in love with him and, you know, you know how these things go sometimes. Sure, it's, sure. Uh, it's murky. It's nuanced, right? It's. Uh, yeah. Well, how did she first hear about him? Like, uh, She heard about him on Don, Don Imus's show. Oh, okay. Another another thing we can blame Don, Don Imus for. <laughs> Uh, so, so what kind of life did Penny and Jack have when they finally got together in Mexico? Um, well, it was good for a while. I mean, 
uh, but then eventually it got really bad, right? Especially once, uh, you know, so she tells a story about how um, two years before she was diagnosed with AIDS that uh, Jack bled in the pool um, on his property uh, mm-hmm. while having like a party and he was screaming at everybody to get out, out of the pool. Um, and she didn't understand it at the time until, you know, much later. So she, she believed that he, he knew that he had it and he carelessly spread it, spread it, uh, around a bunch of people to a so, bunch of people. Wow. And, and I mean, that's psych psychopath, psychopathy, psychotic behavior, but also, you know, like there were treatments available like he could still be alive today if he but i guess he couldn't come to the united states yeah yeah yeah. he was um yeah he was worried that there was a sealed indictment against him um and then also he had a bunch of other legal problems in the states Mm -hmm. and during this time is he hiring lawyers in the states and suing people and making money yeah, yeah, he's always had uh, lawyers who um, helped him out, and uh, he was a very quick study, and he understood the law very well, and um, that's how he was able to sue so many people. If you look him up on Pacer, um, he has around like 76 lawsuits and appeals in total. Wow. Uh, I what think are- there's even more on LexisNexis. Like, what are uh, but, some of these, like, we know about, um, you know, the lawsuit against uh, Steven Spielberg over his movie. What were some of the other? Um, so there was earlier on uh, when he was doing his, like, his um, fake, like, what's it called? Military training program mm-hmm. thing. Uh, he was sued by the state uh, that he um had the business in or no he sued them because they um they they pretty much um they evicted him because of like noise complaints uh he also yeah there there's just so many of them uh he sued Condoleezza Rice <laughs> what yeah yeah what? while he was in prison in Afghanistan he sued Condoleezza Rice in the state department Oh, that is funny. I mean, wow. So, so he's in Mexico and he's with Penny and the dog and working for the Cattells and doing drugs. And then it sounds like at the end, it just turned into like one big orgy, like Jack. Yeah. Thing. So he started uh, posting, uh, like profiles and ads on uh, gay hookup sites like manhunt.com. Um, and uh, when he posted them, he also said that he was, that he didn't have HIV, by the way. Um, he also like, he pretty much, he, he, he posted ads saying that his place was, uh, like the ultimate gay uh, vacation place. Um, and yeah, like he was charging people to come over and, you know, uh, involve themselves in the orgies and stuff like that. And yeah. 
Jack you, was um Jack was a I I know that like sexuality is a spectrum but was he always gay do you think or was this I don't know yeah, I have no I mean, idea it's like did he He was well, in did... prison for a very long time um <laughs> yeah. not only the 3 years in Afghanistan but um 4 years uh after being charged for wire fraud mm. so. yeah I guess I'm just wondering, and I don't know if you could know this, but maybe you asked Penny, like, do you think that he married her out of convenience or? Well, she, I didn't add this into the thing, but she called herself uh, a beard. Oh, uh, okay. Um, also, the other thing I didn't add is that she, Jack was a bottom uh, and he, uh, what he would like to do is he would, um, he would snort cocaine all night uh, while being railed, basically. What a life! Uh, very, I'm very uncomfortable with the direction this is taken, but that's uh, that's on Jack. Um, so he gets AIDS. Do we know when he got AIDS? No idea. Yeah, and and by the end, he basically had. Uh, he was so paranoid and so crazy. He basically had Penny held hostage. He tortured her in, you know, scenes that are very reminiscent eerily reminiscent of like what he they were doing in afghanistan and what yeah that's know? the thing I, I i really regret not showing footage during what during those segments of him like interrogate interrogating people in afghanistan that would have been really good i think do you have footage of that of of him interrogating people in afghanistan yeah yeah yeah, yeah I, I added it to the doc okay. i just showed it much earlier Okay, um, that's so wild. And then, and then, how, where's Penny end up, and how's she get back to Connecticut? Back oh, to okay. State. So a plumber helped her out uh, to get out, and then he took her to the Mexican police, and uh, they did. She was raped, which is another thing I didn't add to the documentary. I was worried about. Um, uh, YouTube monetization. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, but he raped her while he was torturing her as well. Uh, they did a rape kit, uh, and she was sent back to the States. And uh, pretty much in, in the matter of a year, um, because the other thing I didn't add is that Jack ran up credit card debt on a lot of women, not only just Penny, mm-hmm. a lot of men and women. Um, and he, um, he took uh, a lot of money from them as well um, that they gave him to support him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Penny was victim to that as well. And, uh, you know, she was struggling. And at the same time, she was president of this company, Isabeau Dakota, uh, which his father gave to him. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, she threatened to dispose of the corporate assets unless he paid off the credit card debt and eventually what she did is she sold the deed to the company's building for ten dollars um and he freaked out and his uh like his consortium of um hangers on his fan club online they uh him and them started posting uh revenge porn of her uh and they onto blogs and they also sent it to her parents that's 
I mean, he just was just a horrible person to the very end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was awful. Yeah. And, um, so, so how did he die? Of AIDS. Um, I think it was that the car accident plus the drug abuse and alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually he, yeah, he died. Yeah. And he, he was in his weird compound in Mexico. Yeah. At that by that point, his um, God, I couldn't verify this exactly, but I've heard and I've read people saying this uh, in the emails that I have and stuff that Penny gave me uh, that his um, all of his assets were fro- uh, like the, they were frozen by that point. Um, so, from what I understand, he he might have died broke and. Uh, yeah. The reason I, I think I find the story so compelling, and again, I urge everybody to check it out. Uh, the link will be in the show notes here. Um, it's like, it's not just, yes, he's a horrible narcissist, con artist, psycho person who ruined hundreds of people's lives probably. But also it's like, these are the kind of people that are attracted to war. And these are the kind of people that like the military uses when they occupy countries so it's like we don't know if he was like how hand in hand he was with the military the american military but you know there are other jack idemas out there it's just the you know most probably or hopefully aren't as colorful or as uh as as weird maybe as this as jack is but but it's like it's jack is i don't know it just feels to me like a some kind of like metaphor for overseas wars or colonization or something. What, what else do you got going on? Are you working on your next big story? Yeah, I got, I got something com- uh, coming next. I'm not sure what it is. Hey man, this has been great. Thanks so much. Um, yeah. Wh- where thank can you. people find, yeah. find Oki's weird stories? Oki's weird stories on YouTube. Um, OKI spelled phonetically on Twitter and Instagram. Nope. And then Oki Weird uh, on Patreon. Oki Weird. All right, Oki Weird. I'll uh, be sure to put that all in the show notes. And thanks a lot. All right. Thank you. Take care.